So I wanted to read a little story. I think, I don't know, this may have kind of gone away, but remember a couple years ago that, you know, pastors were opening up with great stories or they had a great little joke or something like that. And I kind of missed that. I don't want you to start telling stories or jokes because we'll just let you sing and rap and dance. So you just stay in your lane. But I've, <laughs> I found this little story that I thought was so cute. And as you see, I have this cracked pot up here. And I'll tell you the story of this cracked pot. I actually uh, bought this. I drew the eyes on it so you could see. It looks like it has a mouth, but I'm not an artist. But I'm going to read this little story as we open up. It says, a water bearer in India had two large pots, both hung on the ends of a pole, which he carried across his neck. One of the pots had a crack in it, while the other pot was perfect and always delivered a full portion of water. At the end of the long walk from the stream to the house, the cracked pot always arrived half full. The poor cracked pot was ashamed of its own imperfection and miserable that it was able to accomplish only half of what it had been made to do. After two years of what it perceived to be a bitter failure, it spoke to the water bearer by the stream. I am so ashamed of myself and I want to apologize, said the pot. I have been able to deliver only half of my load because of this crack in my side causes water to leak out all the way back to your house. <sighs> because of my flaws, you have to do all this work and you don't get the full value of your efforts. The water bearer said to the pot, did you notice that there are flowers only on your side of the path, but not on the other pot's side? That's because I've always known about your flaw, and I planted flower seeds on your side of the path, and every day when we walk by, you've watered them. For two years, I've been able to pick these flowers to decorate the table. Without you being just the way you are, there wouldn't be beautiful beauty to grace our table with. Thankfully, God uses cracked pots. And I wanted to share that with moms, especially today, because we can uh, unintentionally get into comparing ourselves with other moms, with other women. Uh, I'm a homeschool mom now, and if I go to homeschool events, like homeschool is over, they do 12 weeks in the fall, 12 weeks in the spring, and now we have all these parent practicums and like all of these homeschool moms and all their babies come and they talk about all this curriculum and all these things that they are doing. And I'm thinking, well, I went to the grocery store today. <laughs> he did brush his teeth. Uh, he read at me at the counter while I did the dishes. You know, I can just find myself in a situation where I'm feeling really, really insecure and I do have a lot of cracks in my pot and that story ministered to me because God will use us wherever we are and I was talking to a mom we actually had a baby shower for one of the homeschool moms and a mom of a mom of a mom of a mom a mom came and I was <laughs> who come from other moms a mom was there and she was just visiting her daughter you know getting ready for Mother's Day weekend and she was saying how are things going she was just being so nice and I guess the Lord sent her to me because I was really good at the baby shower but you know I'm just like okay I need to catch Levi up in math and in writing and in spelling and in English don't judge me 
And so I'm just thinking, okay, I'm trying to get, this is our first year. I'm trying to get it down. And she said, oh, don't even worry about that. She said, when I homeschool all three of my kids and my youngest one, he wasn't even reading at five. He didn't even read till he was seven. So I was like, whoo, I'm doing good. And she said, don't worry about it. He'll get it. The best thing is, is that he's home and you're giving him something the schools could never give him. And so I still need to catch him up on all these other things, but that really, that was water to me that made me feel like my, the cracks in my schedule during the day are really doing something immeasurable for Levi. And I continue to ask him, are you ready to go back to school yet? And he's like, no. And we can see the change in him in confidence. Uh, we can see the change in him in just um, being able to present himself and really having the opportunity to raise him as a man of God that will outweigh math any day. I'm still going to get him the math because we don't want the man of God to <laughs> be dumb, but <laughs> I shouldn't have said that word, but I didn't get anything else that wasn't in my notes. So I just wanted to share with you is that, you know, your pot may have some cracks in it, but God will do something special. When I decided I wanted to read that story, I actually went by Callaway Garden and I asked him, do you have a broken pot? And the lady said, um, I'm sorry, we don't keep those around. We just throw them away. And so I was like, well, my husband's a pastor. And see, on Sunday, I have to speak. And I'm telling this story about this cracked pot and this guy in India. He used to bring the water from the stream and the pot used to leak it all the way down. And I just really needed a cracked pot to show. And she said, well, go check with the manager. So I went to the manager and I told him the whole story of the cracked pot. And he said, you know what? Last night we had this shipment and these terracotta pots. Uh-oh, Nia, come get those. But stoops because you have a dress on. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Good job. Uh, the gentlemen, they were all stacked up and the wind had blown this stack of terracotta pots over. And he said, I have one. And he had to dig to the bottom of this garbage can with this you know, old dead trees and all this. And he only had the top part. And then he said, well, let me go get the bottom part because I had to cancel it out, you know, take it out of inventory. And then he said, well, hold on. I've got the pieces. Come here, Nia. The piece she picked up, I actually pulled that piece out out of there. Actually, the pieces fit perfectly. Hold them up into what looks like the mouth. And so once this, the, the, the manager of the uh, nursery dug it all out, and I said, I bet you this little pot thought it, he had seen his good days. They were all gone. He didn't know that today was going to be his day, that he would be used in the house of God. And I, take this for me, we have a story about the crack pot, but that's a story in and of itself. And I wonder how many of us, I want you to have a picture of your own life. That the Holy Spirit is in need of you. And he's looking through all kinds of dead muck and mire. And God is in hot pursuit of you to dig you out, to put you together, and to use you in the house of the Lord. And I told Ray, I said, well, that little pot has a story of his, of his own. It's because what people thought was useless. And there were no other cracked pots in that garbage can. It was only this one. And it was an entire stack of terracotta pots. I don't know how they all fell over, but this one had been <laughs> dismembered and separated and everything else. And I got me some super glue, some crazy glue, and put him together and let him sit there. And then I 
Last night, I drew him some eyes so we could have a picture of ourselves. So whatever the cracks may be in your life, where you may be discarded, thrown away, and taken out of inventory to man. Because for, that, for the nursery, that's actually a hazard. They had a woman actually break some pots, fall on them years ago, and had, they had to call 911 and said she would have bled to death. The manager had to take off her shirt and do a tourniquet and everything. So whenever a cracked pot is in their vicinity, they immediately throw it away. But last week was this pot's day. And today is your day that God is saying, you know what, whether you're a mother or not, is I am in need of you in the house of God, whether you're singing, whether you're ushering, or whether you're just coming to sit at the feet of Jesus, you are important and God is in need of you. Amen? Amen. So today's message, I have entitled it, Don't Throw in the Towel. We know that throwing in the towel comes from a, a boxing term. And that means that in a boxing match, when the boxer is just getting beat down, they, you know, the definition said the boxer, but I don't think the boxer is reaching for a towel. It's probably the coach, the trainer or the coach can actually just throw in the towel, call it quits. And I want to encourage you moms to not throw in the towel. I come from a generation where they said, okay, when the kids are 18, they're out, I'm done with you. But I encourage you as women of God for us to not throw in the towel with our children, with your own dreams. You can say some of us, it's like, I just raised these babies and I'm doing good. Girl, why you just come sit on the front way? You just want me to cry today, don't you? You just want me to cry today. Everyone say, but God. Can I tell the story? Kids, come stand up with me. Please. I'll hide you behind my coat. Come here. Shivana, come get the baby. This is my Nina. Everyone say, hey, Nina. And we're not going to let her be shamed. How many years ago was it? Six years ago. Pastor Ray and I were on our way to do premarital counseling with Nina. Nina was 10 days before delivery. And we were going Sunday. She had taken the kids out uh, walking. She's nine months pregnant due any day. We're supposed to go meet, do their premarital counseling. And then she, she calls and says, hey, I'm going to go to the hospital. I haven't felt the baby move in a couple hours. And we said, okay, call us back. No call, no call. Get a call at 7 a.m., and she had to deliver a stillborn boy. And so I jump up. I, I don't even know what I did with the kids. They went to school or something, and I, I just ran. I got some McDonald's. Whenever you don't know what to do in a crisis, just buy food. <laughs> I got some McDonald's, and I went to the hospital. And when you walk in labor delivery, if there is a loss, they put a little leaf with a tear on it. And I did good until I saw that. And so I walked in with some McDonald's and I said, I'm so sorry. I wish I could be more professional. I said, but I'm just here. And I think I cried with you probably for eight hours. And we just, it was just the two of us for a, a, a long time. Shavonda was there. And, and Curtis, uh, her now husband, we, he walked in the hall. He said, Pastor Wendy, but I already loved him. And so dealing with this and trying to get her to hold this baby. It took Shavonda two hours to get Nina just to hold him because she didn't want to say goodbye. And when she'd cry, she'd look up at me. She said, but I just don't understand. He didn't do anything. 
Everybody say, but God. But God, today, Jesus, come stand and show this big hunk of chunk of somebody. Six years later. What's his name? Cooper. Cooper. Cooper, we are so glad that you fulfill the promise of the Lord. Can you say hey to everybody? <laughs> Not yet, but he's ready. She's got two older girls. And so I, I, I put you on the spot, but it's great for Mother's Day. It, our God will not allow you to go out empty. Everybody's situation can be different, but for Nina, I mean, and two weeks after she lost the baby, it was her sister Shavonda's baby dedication. And she had to, you know, when you have, and they won't, take the baby. She had to birth the baby and go home. And all this is going on in her body. And do you know this woman stood with her sister for her sister's baby dedication two weeks later? Everybody say, but God. So we are so excited and we are so happy. Congratulations. Yes. Mm. And we just, we just pray over baby Cooper. We just thank you, Jesus, for this son. We thank you for allowing Cooper to be a fulfillment of a promise and the peg to a broken heart. Lord, we thank you that he will never stray into the far country, that he would always honor you and he would come to know you at a very young age. We thank you that he would not be given to any foolishness, no drugs, no alcohol, that his innocence would not be stolen, but that he would know even on today by the Spirit that God is in need of him. We thank you for his life, and we look forward to and expect good things out of this one life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'm so glad you didn't throw in the towel. So glad, and thank you for, for coming. Well, that wasn't in the notes either, but that's a good testimony of the faithfulness of God. Don't give up. I don't understand. And if I have it right, you even after that, you've miscarried a couple times between the baby Kiko, Keiko, and, and Cooper. And, and you've just, you didn't throw in the towel. And thank you for just be allowing us to see God. You showing up today shows us that God is faithful. So thank you so much for that. Amen. So I'm going to get into the message. Don't throw in the towel. And we're going to take it from Matthew 15, 21. Now the same account is in Mark. We are going to open up this, this account, not throwing in the towel. And it's for mothers. Uh, no matter what your children have done, where they've gone, we just pray that they don't uh, make mistakes. But in this life, we will have trouble. The Bible says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers them out of them all. So don't, al don't allow your children's lives to dictate your value, whether you've been a good enough mother or not. We get to be vessels, but God is responsible. The Bible says, train up a child in the ways he should go. And when he is old, he won't depart from it. I wish he would say it when he's in his 20s. But even if the children go astray, don't forget the cracked pot. God is in need of them. And if we were all so good and righteous all the time, what testimony will we have for the lost? So we don't want your children to be a poster child of what not to do. But what if 
God is still faithful. So we're going to look at a mother who just goes before God uh, and with all types of disqualifications according to that day and age. Um, so many things. Now, this account is in Matthew 15. It is also in Mark 7. And so I'm going to go back and forth because both accounts highlight uh, different things, but it's the same true story. The story opens up in Matthew 15 on the heels of Jesus having just had to put the Pharisees in their place. They, he was in Galilee, which is a Jewish uh, nation. We know that Jesus is Jewish and he was called to the Jewish people. Everyone who's not Jewish, including you and I, are considered a Gentile. At this time, the Gentiles, those that were not Jews, were considered enemies of Israel. Now, Jesus was with his own people, but they were just kind of being monkey's uncles. And they were giving Jesus a really hard time saying that, oh, Jesus, you don't follow the traditions. The Jews were looking for their Messiah to be strong and triumphant, coming riding in on a white horse with a silver plate on his chest and a sword. And Jesus came as a carpenter. And so it was very difficult for them then and today to accept Jesus as the Christ. So the Pharisees were just giving Jesus a fit about washing hands. I figure, you know, sometimes moms, we have a fit about washing hands too. But the Pharisees, they were accusing Jesus of not following the tradition of the elders. And so there is this bantering back and forth with the uh, Pharisees being accusers, and they were the teachers of the law. They were not filled with grace. They did not have God in their heart. They were pretty hypocritical. And they were going back and forth saying, you know, you don't follow the traditions of our fathers. How can you say that you are from God? And so they were antagonizing Jesus over a petty offense, not ceremonially washing the hands. I guess they were supposed to sing the birthday song and wash the hands with soap and water and rub them in the Nile River and put some powder on them or something. It was a ceremonial ritual that you were supposed to do. Jesus is going back and forth and he finally says to them, it is not what a man puts in his body because that is going to leave his body. But it is what comes out of a man's heart and his mouth that defiles him. But this wore him out. So Jesus was like, you know what? <laughs> Y'all can get these right here. And it said that he traveled to Tyre, which is a Gentile nation. You know, sometimes you just got to get away. When I was studying, I was thinking about the Southwest commercial. You know, want to get away? Jesus was like, I am going to go to Tyre and Sidon where nobody knows me. And I'm going to hide out. The only thing is Jesus was a little bit like... Drake. Can you imagine if you saw Drake or Jay-Z at the 7-Eleven? And if you didn't come to City Church and you weren't saved, you might thought, oh, if I get to know them, then that could be my boy. And so then you see him at the 7-Eleven, so then you follow him and you see them go to Terrell and Tyra's house and go in. And so then you tell all your people, they're right here, and you put it on social media. That's what happened to Jesus. Jesus was trying to get away. So he left all his folk in Galilee and he went up to Tyre in Sidon. The thing about Tyre is that is where Jezebel came from. You can read about Jezebel in 1 Kings. You know, they say somebody has a Jezebel spirit that's contrary and disruptive and full of witchcraft. Anyway, he left his people 
And he went and tried to get away, but he couldn't even get away. While he is there in the house, somebody discovers him. And they tell this woman whose daughter is filled with an unclean spirit. She's demon possessed. And the woman who is from Syro, Syrophoenicia. So if you hear the story, if you've heard somebody say, oh, this is a story about the Syrophoenician woman. That's what this is about. She was from Canaan, Gentile. She wasn't even supposed to kind of mix with the Jews. And so we're going to open up here. Remember, we're, 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 it's don't throw in the towel. So let's look at Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28 in the New King James Version. It says, then Jesus went out from there where he had been in Galilee and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not, sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel then she came and worshiped him saying Lord help me but Jesus answered and said it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dog to the little dogs and she said yes Lord yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table then Jesus answered and said to her oh woman great is your faith let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Angie, I didn't give this to you, but I'm going to run over to Mark 7. And I'm going to read that to you for out of New King James. I don't know if you can pull it up. If not, uh, the people won't be lost. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Mark 7, verse 24. And it says it's the same account, just a little different version. From there he arose, meaning Jesus, and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a, Syrophoen a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then Jesus said to her, for this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had came to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. The significance of this story, of course, Jesus is Jewish. The Pharisees are Jewish. This is a Gentile woman who, number one, she's a woman. This isn't her husband. She had no business speaking to him. Number two, she's not Jewish. Jesus didn't come for the non-Jews. Everyone say grace. But now we have access at that time she was not even supposed to be in the vicinity. She heard about it and she believed. She just heard about it. how many times we hear the message and we just throw it to the side. This is a desperate woman who said, above all things, I am going to get. I've heard about the miracles that he can do. 
Surely he can do something for me. And isn't that that, that mama bear coming up? She's like, I don't care what nationality I am. I don't care what racial barriers there are. I don't care what gender biases are. My daughter needs a touch from God, and I'm going to go there. And look at how the church folk treated her. The disciples, send her away, Jesus. She is getting on our nerves. They said she cried out to him. I read so many commentaries on this as a prepared. So it was as if she was saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And then... She did not find it at all humiliating to humble herself and say, oh, Lord, thou son of David. You know what she was saying? Master, son of God, king of kings, Lord of all, healer of the sick, deliverer of those that are demon possessed. Have mercy on me. She was doing what the Pharisees wouldn't even do. She was enthroning Jesus in his proper place. And this was a Gentile woman who is so almost out of her mind because her baby needs a touch from God and she didn't care about the disciples she didn't care about her standing in society she said I'm gonna go I heard about this man it didn't say she did anything else and notice what the scripture says in Matthew it says he didn't even answer her not a word as a mother have you prayed prayers and you think this thing doesn't even work where is God he did not answer her a word. Now, he's going on. He hears her. The Pharisees hear her. Instead of saying, ma'am, how can we help you? What's going on? They want her to be quiet. I'm not going to be nice. They want her to shut up and go away. We have to be careful, people of God, when there are those that are crying out that we don't make the same mistake. Just shut up and go somewhere. When people have needs, there is something we can do. When you raise the offering for Giants of Hope, you said just 50 cents, just 20. There's something we can do. Even if all you have is, I can't help you, but let me make some calls and find somebody that can. We cannot afford to tell people just to be quiet and go away when the very thing that they're seeking, we have. And it is Jesus. She wasn't going to the disciples asking them to do anything for her. She was calling on the name above all names. Jesus, 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 help me. My daughter is demon possessed. And I just thought it was kind of rude with two O's that Jesus would not answer her. I really had to study this out because I was like, that don't really sound like my Jesus right there. But I too learned something. It says, then she came and worshiped him. You know what worship means? I had always thought that worship was just singing songs. To worship means to bow down and give due reverence and honor. And that's what she did. Repeat after me, say, there's no place like hope. That's where this woman was, hope. Okay, I've heard about this man. Let me go and see if he can do something for me. I'm not going to stop. In the Mark account, if they said that Jesus was in the house and couldn't be hidden, she just 
open up the door. She was in proximity. There was no way she could fall at his feet. This is a Gentile woman who is showing Jesus more honor and reverence than the Pharisees he was getting a vacation from. I guess Jesus was like, y'all going to make me lose my mind up in here, up in here and left. But there's no place like hope. Romans 12, 12 says this, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continually steadfast in prayer. You know what, church? All prayer is, is talking to God. Even though she had the physical Jesus that she could connect with, that was a prayer. Lord, help me. And then she put him in his proper place. Son of David, Messiah, you can do something about my situation. We can look back at uh, 1 Samuel 1. I added this also last night, <laughs> so you may not have it. 1 Samuel 1, uh, verses uh, 10 through 16. I'm not going to read this, but this is the story of Hannah when we're saying there's no place like hope. And if you know the story of Hannah out of 1 Samuel, Hannah was barren. She could not have children. She was uh, married to Elka. Elkanah, she was married to Elkanah, and he had another wife, Penina. Now, Penina was just putting out babies every year. And she was tormenting Hannah about it over and over. And Hannah would just cry when they would have to go give their offering at the temple. Oh, she would just cry and cry and cry, and she would be so ashamed. But her husband loved her. Even though he had two wives, he would give Hannah a double portion. And he even, he was such a man. I could just imagine. He probably was a big, burly, muscle, muscular man. It says in 1 Samuel, he said, oh, dear Hannah, why do you cry so bad? Aren't I more than 10 sons to you? <laughs> we thank God for husbands, but that was, you know, he didn't should have gone to men's Bible study before he opened his mouth about that. But Hannah was a righteous woman. He was a muscly man. And she was only halfly excited about his response. <laughs> but Hannah, halfly sporty. Hannah... She didn't say anything sarcastic. And after years of crying and being tormented, it says that she goes to the temple. And there in the temple is the prophet Eli, the priest Eli. And so they said that Hannah was down in the temple and she was just, I mean, she didn't throw in the towel. She took her concerns to God. They said she prayed so fervently. She wasn't allowing a sound to come out of her mouth. There's no place like hope. I don't want anybody to hear what I'm praying because if things don't turn out the right way, I don't want them saying anything to me. She went to give her offering and she was praying so fervently, the priest thought she was drunk. He's like, woman, put away your drunkenness. And she said, oh no, my Lord. Showed honor and reverence even in her grief. Oh no, my Lord. She said, I'm just praying. She finally took that grief to God. The one who could do something about it. I wrote down, Hannah faced the battle she could not win on her own. To not be able to have a baby in that day and in this, less now, but it was just such a source of shame. And when Hannah put aside some of that pitiful crying and just took this thing to God, she said, oh, if you just give me a son, I will dedicate him to the temple. Just please take my shame away. Just take my shame away. And she told the priest what her request was. And the priest said, this time next year, you'll have a son. 
And she was much like Mary. The Bible says in Luke that when the angel of the Lord visited Mary and told her she would be the mother of the Messiah, it says, and she quietly hid these things in her heart. Hannah just quietly hid these things in her heart. She ain't bust Penina up in the head. I wish I would have been Hannah's friend because I told her, but I'm saved now. Jesus. I'm like, Hannah, we got some for her. We could put some, some malto meal in her coffee or something. Hannah finally fought the battle on her knees. And that's what we're called to do, moms. Not to just throw in the towel and just say, you know what? These kids just get on my nerves. I don't, I don't hear mothers really say that, but I come up in the day. I'm not saying my mama said it about me or anything like that. In case she's listening, hey, ma. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes they can really just drive you bonkers. But you have to speak life. And so there'll be some times, Levi, he is just an eight-year-old boy, and I will just say, ooh, I'll tell Nia, he is such a blessing. <laughs> Speak those things that be not, he is a blessing. But he is an eight-year-old boy, we're in our late 40s, and she's 14, not really a good mix for him. And so he's wanting to do something, he watched uh, Garfield the other day, come here, Nia. And so from watching Garfield, we probably should have been doing flashcards, but while he was watching Garfield, but my dinner was done, while he was watching Garfield, he, he does this new thing now. He says, purr, 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 and he wants to kiss me, purr, 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 all around like a kitty cat. I don't even like cats. I'm allergic to him. And he does it. If he thinks I'm upset, he's in the middle of, oh, purr, 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 and I just want to kick him. And say, get out of my face. And I just say, but I say, oh, purr, purr, baby. You're my best purr. Okay, baby. Later. <laughs> you, are, you are better than 10 purrs. <laughs> yes. When Hannah finally fought the battle on her knees, and that's what we have to do as moms. But don't let this be any condemnation. What if you are in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and you're just coming to the Lord? It's not too late to start. Sometimes moms can feel like, oh, I didn't have my children in church when they were younger, and that's why this has happened. Or, oh, I did this, and that's why this is happening. We live in a broken, fallen world. And so are there some things we can do right? Absolutely. If we could do everything right, wouldn't we do it? Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, ah, this is a good day to just be a mess up. No, nobody says that. We don't wake up and say, whoo, how can I just make my kids just despise me today? We don't do that. But life happens to us all. We get overwhelmed. We say things that we don't really mean. But if you are alive today, you've got an opportunity to get it right. And you can turn those things around. Don't look back. Paul wrote, forgetting those things which are behind me, I press toward the mark of the high calling of Christ Jesus. My granddaddy says it this way, a person will do better when they know better. You can only do what you knows to do. And you can only do as good as what you have to work with. <laughs> According to granddaddy Levi. And so sometimes you just do the best you know how to do with what you have to work with. And when you know better, do better. So no condemnation if you are just uh, coming to Christ. That is a grace. 
that in these days that you are part of that remnant. You are part of that small group that will still lift up their hands and their eyes and their heart to the one true living God. Number two, we can see the example of the Syrophoenician woman to cry out to God. When life is happening, whether they're doing really, really well or whether they are getting into some trouble, we have to learn to cry out to God and say, oh, Lord, you are the only one that can do what I need done. Now, there are times. Should we do things like uh, seek counselors? That is okay. Should we do things like uh, uh, seek help? We can get the wisdom of those around us. The, word, the Bible says that there is safety in the multitude of counselors, the right counselors. So we're not saying don't do that. But whether you get the counselors or not, whether you get help or not, whether you seek out wisdom or not, you're going to be back at one. And that is calling on the name of Jesus. So cry out to God. When we looked at what Hannah did, she cried out to God. Second Chronicles 14, 11 says this, and this is of King Asa. It says, Asa cried out to the Lord, his God, saying, Oh, Lord, there is no one beside you. You to help in battle between the powerful and the weak. So help us, oh, Lord God, for we trust in and rely on you. And in your name, we have come against this multitude. Oh, Lord, you are our God. Let no no man prevail against you. That's a prayer you can pray over your children. Let this world not prevail against my child. Let not this perversion that's put out in the world and this seeking of riches and fame not overtake my child. That's a prayer for you to pray for your children. Psalm 34, 6 says, in my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. Now, I know we, we went, we're going to go back to when Jesus did not say a word to the Syrophoenician woman. The disciple said, send her away. Jesus asks her. He doesn't speak to the disciples. Haven't I come for the lost sheep of Israel? And you know what she does? She agrees. She said, yes. Yes, you have. And so then he asks her another question. So is it right for me to take from the children? That is a nation of Israel, the Jews. Take what belongs to them. The bread was the gospel, the word. Take bread from the children and give it to the dogs. And he softened it, little dogs. The, 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 you know, ethnic groups have these names that other people give them don't belong to them. And so uh, Samaritan people, those the Gentiles, they were considered dogs. And he said, should we give it to the little dog? She didn't throw in the towel. And she didn't say, no, he didn't. Did, he didn't she look at the disciples and say, did your boy just call me a dog? <laughs> Let me take these earrings off because I came to get my daughter possessed, but you about to get... She did not. Because see, our world, and especially in our American culture, will justify us acting just, see, you can be persistently a mess, and you can be humbly persistent, reverently persistent. There is a persistence that is not reverent, it is not godly, it is ugly. Just watch the housewives. Not throwing shade on any person because that's precious fruit of the earth. But we have great examples that will say, you don't even have to take that girl. He ain't have to talk to you all like that. You just came to see about your little girl and then Jesus won't call somebody a dog. But before they got to that part, she had already made him Lord of all. 
She had already esteemed him precious and holy. And she was not going to let a little name knock her out of the box for her baby. See, if you've known a mother that has dealt with some stuff with their child, it's not, you can't really hurt their feelings all that easy. I cannot imagine, and the girl wasn't quite a teenager yet. And so this is a little girl that is demon-possessed. This mom and I already been through some things, so she didn't get her little feelings hurt and get offended and get her Bible and go to another church because Jesus said, should I take this and give it to you? What Jesus was doing is he was not uh, ignoring her. She had already come in faith. And so it was almost like Jesus was now being her coach. He's like, okay, she's got a seed of faith. Let's see if we can grow that. So she's come in faith. He's heard her crying out. You know, he heard her the first time. He, the Bible says in Jeremiah that before you open your mouth to pray, I hear you. And while you're yet speaking, I'm answering you. Before she opened her mouth, Jesus knew she was already there. So Jesus was supposed to be going on a little vacation. Jesus was already there to meet a need. He already knew when she said Jesus and when she's calling on his name, it wasn't that he was being withholding is that we're in a series called stronger in faith. So she's at a mark of faith. So Jesus is not going to answer her. Can you come a little further? He's strengthening her faith by not answering. God is not a withholding mean God that does not hear you. And so he doesn't answer her. He bring, come on, come on, mommy. Then he says, I've been sent to the lost sheep of Israel. How much faith do you have? My, I graduated from world missions. My missions instructor has this famous message called, how big is your want to? Yeah, he's like, see, y'all want to be missionaries. When we get you out there and there is no cell phone and there is no jail for your hair and you can't just go down to McDonald's, how much mission work do you want to do? We went to India and it was not a McDonald's and the mosquitoes in central India, they, I, yeah. And then some of the girls didn't have their luggage. And then with my saved, sanctified self going to Rhema, talking in tongues, I didn't even want to share clothes out of my luggage because I had already packed everything and I was a school teacher and everything had to be fair. And the mission field showed me exactly who I was, selfish. Anyway, that's another sermon. So Jesus starts out with the woman and he hears her. He doesn't say anything. Okay, you've got a measure of faith. That's what he's doing. He's not ignoring her. He doesn't say anything. Then he says, I'm sent only to the lost uh, house of Israel, only to the Jews. Can you you stay with me? And she's going with them. She's going with them. The grace of God is exactly for the weak. You can't get no more weak than something going on with your child. Then he says, is it right for me to take the bread that belongs to the children and give it to the dogs? And she hung right with them. She said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's plate. You know, she was saying, I don't even need a whole lot. Jesus, if you throw me a crumb, I heard that you will be more than enough at just a crumb. One translation, he says, he says, oh, dear woman, great is your faith. This is one of the first accounts that let us know that was recorded that Jesus was coming for the Gentiles too, not just the Jews. Yes, he came for the Jews. He still comes for the Jews, but we have access and they give us this account to let us know that all hope is not lost is that we have access. What in your mind is disqualifying you from approaching God? 
She had a list of disqualifications. Okay, I'm a woman. I'm a Gentile. This is not my husband. My daughter is back there probably having fits and the babysitter's gonna leave and this is a far way and I'm not even welcome. There are so many things that can disqualify us we can have in our mind that will make us think that we cannot approach God. Is it your past? Is it what people are saying about you? Like the Pharisees standing to the side saying, can you just get rid of her? How many of you that that has happened to at church and you can just barely come because somebody was in their flesh and did not handle you quite the right way. And then you're walking around with a gaping hole because of what they did. And we really have to take it to Jesus. What disqualifications are you saying? Is it how you view God? Is it that God seems absent? It wasn't like she called him on the phone and he could act like the the call dropped. She's standing in Jesus' face. Well, she's not standing. She is prostrate, worshiping him. And he doesn't say a word. And he was not being mean or dismissive. He said, this lady has faith. Let me grow it. Let me grow it. Can you just keep, can you just stay with me? You already believe. Just come on. Come on, mommy. When you think that kid is lost, can you just come with me? I'm going to take care of them. When you're praying for them, when they've been sick, when you don't know where they are, when they're in trouble and you can't get to them, just keep trusting him. Just keep trusting. Just keep going with them. He seems silent. He could be talking to them. Your prayers are not in vain and they are not unheard. And God is not dismissing you. We just don't have the luxury. Just think about being in his face now and he didn't answer us. Just think about the offense that we could take. And we can take offense if we've not settled this one thing. She had already enthroned him as Lord of all. She had already decided before she got to him, if he don't do it, it can't be done. She had done like Jacob did. I'm not going to turn you loose till you bless me. She wasn't going to go any place. And Jesus knew that. My fourth point, worship no matter what. Worship, there has got to be a transfer. We love Nia, we're teaching her about Jesus, but Jesus has got to be Jesus to Nia. It can no longer be just the Jesus of mommy and daddy. We got to continue. It's not 18 and now. I will continue to pray for her and point her to Jesus. Every opportunity. But there's got to be that transfer. I can go to the Lord. She's going to have to go to the Lord for herself. But I don't, when she turns 18, I don't get the luxury to just say, okay, she's on her own. She still needs that covering. She still needs to know that she can come home no matter what. She still needs to see me trust God no matter what. Whether she's perfect or not, she needs to see me on my knees and before the Lord. And finally, 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 refuse to give up and never give in. Don't throw in the towel. Don't do it. No matter what, whether it's with your children, whether it's with your dreams, whether it's with your marriage, whether it's with your desire to get married, whether it's a job situation, don't just say, man, what is it all for? Malachi, it says the people, when they were bringing their offerings, they were like, why do we have to give our offerings? It don't even work. What good is it to serve this God? 
They were throwing in the towel. Galatians 6 says, and be ye not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. This is not the time for us to throw in the towel and just give up and say, oh, the whole world is going to hell in a handbasket. This is a time for us to be like this woman. Jesus, 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 help me. This is a time that we dig in our heels when we see so many things going on in the world. It's not a time for us to shrink back and to be afraid, but it is to call out, to pray just like Hannah did. Throwing in the towel means to quit in defeat. Let us not be the ones that throw in the towel. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this day. You are such an awesome God.